and welcome to When Will It End? It's the movie podcast. We watch the movies. We start with the first in a franchise or a series. We work our way through that franchise and or series. And occasionally, at the end, we pop out into a admittedly extraneous and mildly well-accepted remake like 2014's RoboCop by Brazilian director Jose Padilla. I, I got a question for you. Oh, well, yeah. It's Charles. Of course oh, it's hi, Charles. Who else would it be? Hey. Hey. I'm not sure. Who yeah. else? That's a good question. <laughs> Who else would it be? I don't very know. Very weird. If someone else just chimed in and it wasn't, I'd probably just roll with it, honestly. Of course you would because you're a fucking professional. I'd consider it sort of a week off if it was someone else. <laughs> you're an award-winning journalist. Twice over now, right? I've won two awards. It's two for two, right? I mean, I don't know how many we go out for, but I've won a couple. <laughs> That's true. Well, I mean, so, you're doing great. You'd, you'd roll with anything. You could, you could get uh, any of my roommates down here. You get all my roommates down here except for me. Wow. In the basement sitting on the floor. I'm just, I now sit on the floor. Remember when Sean Penn interviewed El Chapo? No, I have to fucking listen to that. Oh, it's one of the best podcasts ever. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Hey, it's Sean here. I'm here with El Chapo. <laughs> what so what's up? What'd you do today? Oh, yeah, that's crazy, man. Uh, I was going to ask you, you introduced the... You, top of the show you said we watch series slash franchises and or fran- well what do you what, what's the difference there what do you think is the difference is between a series and a franchise well i mean some things i think we're talking about in this show that some things are structured from the get-go to be a long-running series or, fran- or franchise rather excuse me and other things sort of like happen to come together and end up being a series you know gotcha okay i think i think of the world of, say, a Jaws versus the world of, say, a Maze Runner or a Shrek or gotcha. things of that nature. Okay. Interesting. Jaws was not – Jaws the movie was not built to be a franchise. It was built to be a movie. I'm glad you brought up Jaws. The internet right now because there, that, there's a movie that just got released on Netflix called The Last American Crime or something. Did you did you hear about this movie? You hear about this? You hear, you about, hear about this? this? You hear, no, I don't. I don't really watch Netflix. I think if there's a movie on Netflix, that is usually an advertisement that I will not watch it. That's a good call. Um, we did our our infamous episode on both Mute and Bright in our old show, which were two Netflix original movies that were just complete. Do- Actually, wait, who directed the person who directed Bright also directed something that I saw recently. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. He sucks. Is that Dave, David Ayers? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, what was that? What we. Do we watch one? I mean, of his he did movies? Suicide Squad, famously. Yeah, he did something. He did one of his earlier movies. I just rewatched for some reason, and it was a fucking chore. Yeah, look that up. Do some fucking research. And surely you mean the Canadian ice hockey player and the first and only emergency backup goaltender to win to record a win in the history of the National Hockey League. That's right. I watched the the goal. I watched that. I watched that goal. On Netflix. Oh, sorry. On you mean the Union Army soldier during the American Civil War who received the Medal of Honor for gallantry during the Siege of Vicksburg on May 22nd, uh, 1863? Right, right, I'm sorry. I watched a Ken Burns documentary that did a, re- a dramatization of that. Fuck. How many fucking David Ayers are there? <laughs> this is fucked up. Too many. I think we got to cancel this episode and focus on Dave. Oh, David Ayer. There we go. Do you misspelled it? Uh, no, I, I added, oh my God, Bright 2 is on his IMDb. That can't be good. <laughs> Uh, yes, what we it's need. It's just air. I was saying airs. It's air. Okay. A classic mistake. That's all, right? Everyone We're talking, of course, about the director of such films as the LCD Sound System short, Pow Pow. What's 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 one of his early... I'm not going to look at the list. I want you to read it off. End of me. Watch? 
End of Watch was yes. a big Okay, movie. so I, we yeah. didn't watch it because so what we've been doing at work, I've been telling you about this is well, Hold on. Is that is that Michael Pena and Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I've never seen it, but I've always wanted to. Well, I read the description of it and it's like two cops that don't always play the by the rules, but actually I should fucking just bring this up. But it's like these cops are dirty, but oh, oh boy, do they take their job seriously, and they're good boys. Don't worry about them. Has, has there been a, has any pitch suffered more in the last six months than a description as a cop as someone who doesn't play by the rules? I uh, gotta fucking find. Uh, anyway, so my it's great that you know we're, so much of the RoboCop series is about dismantling copaganda in general, and yeah, this is. I it. really hope that no one can make a cop movie without like writing a thesis on why they should make a cop movie. Yes. This is, that is reviewed by a board of primarily African-American people. That'd be great. I, I can't wait to get into the movie we're talking about today because I think it's very complicated and I want to talk about it. But first, I want to read to you the Google synopsis of End of Watch. Longtime LAB, LAPD partners and friends. They are friends. Brian Taylor, Jake Yudenhola, and Mike Zavala, Michael Pena, Patrol, one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in Los Angeles. Though they may bend the rules, Josh, their honor and dedication to the job are unquestioned. Period. That's really beautiful. Because often (laughs) bureaucratic red tape holds cops back from getting the job done. And sometimes they've got to go around the... All those uh, those desk jockeys who are just throwing memos at them, sometimes you got to get your hands dirty a little bit, Okay. Fuck that movie. So basically what's happening is uh, at work. Sometimes I wonder if, if movies were a mistake. Oh, absolutely. You've been watching a lot of them because at work, I have a lot of downtime now. We each choose movies on Saturdays and every other day of the week that we open, we each curate at least three or four movies to watch as one package. A uh, friend of the podcast, um, Felipe, he does this thing he taught me where every week all the movies that he watches have a number in them so like if the week is two he can watch a movie from the 20s 32 42 52 62 72 82 92 2002 2012 you got the with all due respect to your friend that is psychotic oh he would be the first to admit it but it's actually really great there's so many choices now that it's actually a really fun way to like not only investigate other time periods that you might not otherwise explore but like just sort of narrow down your choices because while Blockbuster might have all gone out of business, the endless parade of films to choose from is still a constant battle that we all face when trying to figure out what we're doing every night. That's true. And in 2020, I think maybe no issue is closer to the hearts of Americans than trying to figure out how to create a numerical system to watch films from across the 20th century and into the 21st that uh, correctly exposes them to the broadest spectrum conceivable of the cinematic arts. And numbers. I think that it's all by number. S- yeah, and numbers are crazy. You ever seen Pi? That movie's nuts. <laughs> so many numbers. That guy freaking loves numbers or hates them. I can't even tell. <laughs> well, uh, at the beginning, he loves them. And when I was in school, I was always told that Pi was just 3.14. But after watching the movie Pi by Darren Aronofsky, so many fucking numbers after that four, I wasn't even aware of. It's bonkers. It's true. Uh, that movie really blew the lid off this whole numbers thing. But anyway, it was two thousand. It was the twos on Saturday, and one of my friends was like, "Because I've been just nonstop talking about all the bullshit that's been happening in the world," and they were like joking about how Paw Patrol got canceled. And I was like, "Fuck you! Paw Patrol should have been canceled years ago." And they were 
they just don't really talk about anything serious anymore at work. But anyway, my friend jokingly was like, oh, I'm going to choose End of Watch because it's a, a movie about cops and you're just going to quit your job today if we have to watch this. So I never ended up watching End of Watch. Though I do this love is a classic Charles terrible-ass story. Yeah, Thank hey. you for the story about how you did not watch a movie. <laughs> Man, you're welcome. Really, that sucked. That fucking... I watched Jesus Christ. Do you want to you want to hear the story about the m- movie that I did watch? Fucking so, no, I really <laughs> don't. You just kind of blew your load on not watching a movie, which is like an incalculable waste of my and everyone's time. Thank hear, you for that. There's so many stories out there about people watching a movie. <sighs> you know how they go through the whole thing saying like, oh, this is what I ended up watching. It's a little cheeky bit You're of fun. Right. It's bold in a world where people value things like resolution, climax, something happening you told a story in which none of those things occurred and i do admire that you are an iconoclast certainly because many people use podcasting to build to a greater point or to edify listeners and you just kind of uh shook your dick at them for a while with a work story that ended in you not doing something i mean speaking of shaking your dick i did just finish midsummer hey and there is a bit of a a... fucking grabs that thing He, uh, yeah, that that is such a good movie. I would love to hear your reassessment. But, Charles, we must hold on to our Midsummer hot takes while we spend a cursory five minutes discussing 2014's RoboCop remake. That's true. I want to go back to my my earlier point for a minute. Is cinema a mistake? I was just out of interest. I was like, well, what's the most obvious example of, of, like, technology going awry? And it's, you know, the application of hateful propaganda. And often people make the point that, like, Again, the French theorist Paul Virilio, who's going to come up a lot, I think, in this – maybe the rest of our lives, but how all technology is in the pursuit of war. He talks about, you know, like the train – the train very quickly gets – you know, you think about the trains in the Holocaust or IBM and the Holocaust or like brand new technologies yeah. like mass mass transit and computers almost immediately being used for like the worst possible considerable function. And you think about – how the first epic American film, the first multi-reel, multi-hour epic yeah. that that broke, you know, birth of a fucking nation. We blew our wad on birth of a nation. <laughs> They're like, we, we have the chance in 1915 to like tell the first huge American cinematic story. I know. Let's make it a maudlin uh, nostalgia piece for the might of the Confederacy. And that was the first movie an American president ever watched. Yeah, so, I mean, he loved movies it. are just shit. It's just trash. It's always been bad. It's never good. We sh- movies were wrong. We've got to stop with the movies. What do you want? You want to do some books instead? You want to do a book cast? Welcome to When Will It Dog Ear, where we flip through the pages of books and oh we my god, there's make... so many pages. There's, that's the thing with books. A lot of them. Yeah, you're going to get a pretty high page count. Some of them not, but some of them really long. Yeah. Goodreads. This is good. we should say that for a whole episode of the book show about how some books are just like holy shit. You seen how long this book is? <laughs> I, th- I mean, that's mostly why I started reading books, and then I realized that there was actually maybe some content in there. But yeah, my first probably eight years of reading books was just to like carry around. What was it? Harriet the Spy? Yeah, the four hundred page young adult novel. I was like, look at this thing. I got bruise you with this thing. I remember in middle school, I, I got made fun of for referring to books as novels, which, to be fair, Aww. I deserve to be made fun of at the time. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, not all books are novels, first of all. It's, well, one, yeah, I was being a little grandiose, wasn't I? Quite a little snot. But also, we were, we were a nation at war, okay? So maybe I should have focused more on supporting President Bush I guess in so. the good old days of 2001 <laughs> to three. 
Those were so good. The, Hal- the Halcyon days, they call them. Weren't they the Halberton days? Oh, that's, that's this is some good, uh, good. NPR style. Uh, <laughs> we could be on wait, wait at uh, this rate. <laughs> yeah. Why are they waiting? Okay. Get us on there. So I, I've i napped for three consecutive days. I just want to get that out there. <laughs> the honesty I man. on Friday. I napped Saturday. I napped today. Well, that's the best option you got. Well, I had the classic thing last night where I was just gripped with fear, just generalized fear. Why? I was concerned about money. I'm making a big mm. move at the end of the month. I was concerned about the Black Lives Matter movement continuing to keep momentum up and have ways we can support that to actually carry out systemic change. I was worried about fascists. I was worried about racists, guys with bats in Philly protecting statues of Christopher Columbus. Can I just say that I don't mean to speak ill of our Italian-American <laughs> brothers and sisters and non-binary folks. Far be it for me to broadly dismiss an entire group of people and display the kind of ignorant bigotry that would befit a racist. But Columbus sucked. The dude sucked. Everyone always has known he sucked. People knew he sucked then. People know he sucks now. There's so many other Italians that we could make statues of. Yeah. I can't think of any. Me neither. But I'm, I'm not a big Sopranos guy, and I kind of I kind of hate that. This new wave of everyone watching The Sopranos and being like, oh, my God, look at the – I look at the Pantera shirt this kid wore in, in The Sopranos. You know what I mean? No, no, because I tried watching two episodes of The Sopranos and didn't give a fuck, so I stopped. I got through, like, the first season, and I don't know. I, I'm such a bad prestige TV guy because, like, I never finished The Wire. I have no interest in that. I've never finished Sopranos. I have no interest in that. Yeah. Everyone's like, these they're moody, conflicted protagonists. And I'm like, bro, look at me. I wake up. Look at this I guy. I go to the mirror. I look into these eyes and I say, forget about it. This is what he says. I've been there. I sometimes have slept the night and you can hear Josh in the, the corner of the house. I'm upstairs, but you can still hear him go, forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. So, okay, let's start with the obvious. Why would anyone remake RoboCop? That That's the one, like, unavoidable question, right? I mean, it, it's such an obvious question that I think I didn't even think to ask it because it's, like, it's such a dumb idea. We got it. I'm like, all right, I guess it's here. I don't, I don't know why. But it's a great question. I'm glad you asked it because you got to wonder, what the fuck? Did these people even watch the original RoboCop? I mean, obviously well, they, they did. Mean, also... Also, it's the kind of thing where, like, a studio, you know, you have this, like, hot young director and you indulge him. And, and, and he's like, I'm going to do my ultimate wet dream, remake RoboCop. That's kind of, that is, a to, to this guy's credit, an absolutely absurd thing to bring to anyone. And I, I do admire the sheer bravado to actually bring that to a meeting. Because, again, at face value, it's like the dumbest idea in the universe yeah and so i i did get a little sidetracked and with your help i'm not going to take all the credit but i brought up jaw you brought up jaws and it reminded me that while reading some dumb indie wire article or collider article about how this new netflix movie has a zero percent on rotten tomatoes so does jaws 4 and there's like a list of movies with zero percents and it's like i feel like the jaws 4 sort of made people afraid to, like, why did, wasn't this just another movie in the franchise? Why didn't this, this director be like, I, I, what is, so I guess the question is, what does a remake bring to the table versus a sequel? Well, obviously, I, we, we did do the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, and those remakes 
finally fixed all the problems, like making everything a fucking nightmare. They're like, hey, the first ones were fun. What if this shit fucking haunted you for your entire life? (laughs) Yeah. What if all those bad dreams you've been having for decades, what if those were directed by Michael Bay? Which, I don't know, I guess I would take a couple Bay-directed nightmares. Sure. Well, we've done that, so congratulations. But I, so I do think there is a place for the remake. I sort of love a remake because it it means that you have knowledge of the first one. So either you don't or you do. If you don't, it doesn't fucking matter what happens because it's your first time. But if you've seen the original, whether you loved it or hate it, the director, the screenwriter, everyone involved in it gets to then play off the original. So they don't have to do quite as much work and they can they have the potential to spend time rather than explaining the world, like using a created world to do something different. And I think that that is the best version of a remake you could have ever ask for. Yeah, and to speak out in favor of remakes, I think it's a way to sort of say, like, this movie has, or whatever, whatever source text you're adapting, it's transcended just being a movie or a book or whatever. It is now a cultural touchstone mm. that offers a lens to look at the world. And I believe you can take that lens and update it to look at new dynamics in the world Great. through this undeniable point of of reflection or point of articulation. So I don't mind the gesture of saying RoboCop is one such uh, touchstone in our culture, and now we should treat it as such as a source text and interpret it again decades later. So I I like that idea. I do too, but sort of maybe playing devil's advocate or just thinking differently. I wonder if this might have been a better movie had it been a sequel like RoboCop 4 instead of RoboCop. Well, I mean, again, there's this talk of the long gestating 25 plus years in the future version of RoboCop from the original screenwriters. Yeah. And I think that is still, you know, maybe the most poetically sound way to do that, to be like, Robo's back, baby. But, you know, he is a guy from the past and now he's in the future. I think that's that's a simple bit of storytelling that would allow you to explore the same dynamics in a much more graceful way than this ultimately, unfortunately, proves to deliver. Yeah. Um, and also with that idea, it sounds a lot like maybe RoboCop in space. RoboCop in space. Uh, as ever, uh, we haven't seen it yet, but we're dying to go to space. So <laughs> The whole reason for this podcast, we've realized, please. is... <laughs> I mean, we're just going to put off doing uh, Friday the 13th for as long as possible, uh, I guess. But I guess know, so. That's one of the few I can think of where they do finally lift the dream of going to space in a sequel. Um, so let's get into it. I saw this movie in theaters. I, I actually think it's a well-made, interesting movie that has sort of a big Emperor's New Clothes problem that we sort of uh, talked about off pod. Namely, it offers interesting analysis of a lot of things from – corporate media manipulation to the way that the militarization of law enforcement was sold to America for a very long time to questions about free will and autonomy, which are the bread and butter of the RoboCop universe. And yet it fails to interrogate the problem at the center of the movie, which is policing itself. And obviously in 2020, we would be remiss if we did not point out that If you make a movie about cops that questions everything in the world except for how cops actually are. So, again, the the whole question of is this fascist propaganda or is this, as the popular phrase I used earlier, copaganda, 
This, unfortunately, absolutely, at the end of the day, is copaganda because they can't resist having the good old-fashioned, hard-as-nails Alex Murphy be mm. the ultimate the, – the buck stops with him. And there's very little introspection into who he is and how he behaves as a police officer, which I think ultimately is the – you know, the, the first movie trods a very narrow path. And this movie, I think – doesn't really explore an entire side of that path, which is a huge problem. Yeah, so I, I would say this movie is, I think, the most complicated of the four, including the first one, because the first one, as genius as it is, it is, it's not s- simple per se, but it is very focused, and it, it's like, it's very, it's deep in what it's doing, and this one is like, it is all over the place. It explores the family much more than the first one did. Uh, we can talk about that because I think it could have been interesting to have that dynamic, even though in the first one we were like, we probably don't need it. And I think I still agree with what I thought the first time, but it was interesting to see like that whole story fleshed out. Um, it brought up like war as a general theme rather than just policing. Cause we get to see the opening scene in, where was it again? In Tehran. Tehran. Yeah. So it, I think this movie did this thing where it got a bunch of, probably very big liberal actors to be involved in it because it's like, oh, look, Samuel Jackson's screaming at you about America's great. Look, there's like, we're heralding robots as beautiful soldiers, keeping everything safe. So everyone's like, great, this is a great movie. But then when you actually watch the movie, it's like, oh, they they love cops. This movie fucking loves cops. And it's still afraid or ignorant to talk about the real problem in America, which is cops. Right. They they present Alex Murphy's good, honest policing as the victim of bureaucratic malfeasance and corruption and corporate interference and never interrogates his actual job or his actual life as a police officer. That's unfortunately the last thing that this movie thinks to look at. Yeah. And I don't I would say after watching it again, I also saw it when it came out in theaters and I sort of liked it the first time. Um I, I don't think that was an accident. I, I think this movie, it wasn't just a mistake or an oversight. This movie was not ready to condemn police like the first one was. This is still an American movie from the mid-2000s where, you know, it, Ferguson hadn't happened, right? That was 2016, so no. Yeah, and for me, I think Ferguson was like, at least in my life, the big milestone in like seeing on the news cops in riot gear using military. Hold on, that was 2014. Fuck me, I was wrong. It was 2014. So it was like right on yeah. the cusp, but this was shot in 2013. It was released in 2014. I can't believe that they, like it was, like this was the time when, like I don't think before this there was as much cops on the news being militarized warmongers like there is now. And now it's like, it's just, ev- it's everywhere. So that wasn't really what this director was focusing on. And I think he was still too scared and there's probably some money from the government. Who knows? You never know when these kind of movies are out there like saying, okay, you know, just make sure that we have a good cop. And I want let's, I just want to talk about that for a good while because the changes that they made from the first one is extreme evidence for that case. Yeah. I mean, the, the way, the way uh, Murphy, the, 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 the brutality of RoboCop in the first movie right. is sort of like, that's the core of what makes him this horrifying Frankenstein is that they've built this man machine to like bluntly, you know, and fucking just mindlessly carry out unbelievable acts of violence. And 
that weird line between fetishizing that violence and underscoring how upsetting it is is what makes RoboCop so compelling. And in this movie, ultimately, we are watching a cool cop guy do cool stuff without much there, – there isn't much weight to the actual violence he's enacting. And when he behaves like a fucking huge piece of shit cop, um, it's, it is triumphant in this it's movie. Heroic, which is a yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a couple things. I mean definitely you mentioned the violence. He's replaced his fucking cannon of destruction from the first one with a taser gun, which you can set to stun. Right, so this, which is the ultimate fucking Joe Biden, we need to spend $300 million exactly. to teach cops to shoot people in the leg kind of bullshit. Right. Yeah, but by, by, by neutering him, by defanging that violence, they're missing the whole point, which again, you think about like, you know, what does it mean to legally give someone the ability to – you know, I, I interviewed a uh, professor at Columbia Law School for work to look at the use of force policy in my home city's police department, and there's an unbelievably broad mandate for cops to use force. Like it is an unbelievably – the interpretation on what circumstances allow police to use force is unbelievable. Yeah. You know? And as she pointed out to me and, – and it's funny. It sounded like Judge Dredd. She's like you can execute someone without a conviction as a cop. That's something right. that is legally protected in this country. Without any like, training we, we in have, judicial law, without any training in social work, without any training or, or, in anything – Without, without racial bias training, without yes, specific language about exactly. like, the way that the police treat specifically people of color. I mean, so yeah, we live already in this dystopian nightmare where these undertrained, overburdened, overmilitarized people who have neither the time nor the inclination to carry out a lot of things that would de-escalate situations actually do fucking mow people down. So the fact that this movie, you know, as you pointed out, he sort of like – I will tase you for the common good or whatever. That shit sucks. Like that's the, maybe the ultimate kind of like bootlicky thing to be like cops shouldn't shoot people. We should just get them to tase them and that would be a huge step forward, you know? When, it, when we talk about abolishing police or defunding police or, you know, bro- that at its most broad, reforming police, you know, that Fuck would that. be the kind of superficial – well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying people – there are people who want to keep it as superficial as possible. So the fact that this movie, again, doesn't ultimately engage with that ultimate question, what does it mean to be a cop? You know, a murder. That, that's the problem. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I mean, we're, we're recording this two days after the Atlanta shooting uh, of uh, Rayshard Brooks, who was literally asleep in his car, drunk, yes – and I actually watched as much of the body cam footage that I could and then read an article about it. But, like, the first cop who shows up is actually, like, surprisingly good at de-escalating the situation. He's like, here, why don't you just pull over, take a nap? And then he talks to him for me. He's like, are you coming in from out of town? Blah, blah, blah. Great. Oh, and then another sh- cop shows up and just, like, fucking ruins the situation. And it's like, that's a situation where someone who is trained in helping someone get that person to wherever they need to go that night safe rather than arresting them and putting their like putting them in danger this is and this is what this movie fails to even acknowledge and through violence the gun like it isn't even that he only has the taser gun the movie chooses for him to tase cops and kill criminals so it isn't even that he's like only like doing the terminator thing where he's just like an impotent robot the movie is like so afraid of showing robocop killing cops that that's when he uses non-lethal force. And he only gets to use lethal force on the bad guys. Well, see, there's bad apples. 
there's a bad apple. One bad hamburger, <laughs> Charles, doesn't make McDonald's bad. No. Okay. No, you're you're dead right, and and I would say it's such a bummer because this movie does some things really well. I think it, the way it interrogates free will and the total dehumanization of Alex Murphy is way more interesting than in, in the original. Like seeing them like whittle down this guy from like okay well he's like a guy who happens to be a robot into what if he was like 99% a robot mm. and like that process and that conversation I thought that was fascinating and like the fact that like you know in in a corporate militarized world you know if, if these things were left unchecked what would happen to like a hybridic you know battalion of, of, of human robot cops like that, I thought that was like really well done and those conversations between Keaton and, and oh, uh, Keaton. Gary Oldman oh. Keaton's fucking great in this oh, like Oldman. the way it depicts like this like you know of course the OCP of the 80s is this drab faceless gray corporate world and in this movie it has all the like jack off trappings of like a post Steve Jobs yeah. nightmare of like it, artificial yes. trees in an open planned office environment and like all his paintings behind him, yeah. Yeah, it really drills into this, like, what happens when we elect a corporate elite to make huge decisions about how the world is run who are, like, the biggest jack-offs in the universe. And I liked that a lot. Like, like going from the old man in the suit to, like, Michael Keaton as, like, in a dynamic, engaged CEO full of, you know, innovations and disruptions. Like, I think yeah. that that is a, an interesting facelift on this story. And I was happy to see that done as well as it was done. Yeah, and, and so you, and you brought up uh, the dehumanization after. And I thought that was at first, and this is why the remake is amazing because in the first one, I heard that Verhoeven wanted to have a 45 second black screen after Murphy's killed. Like he, he's killed in the first one. And then it's just like black forever. And then it cuts to him getting reawakened. And the studio's like, how about five seconds? <laughs> and even that's a long time. And like, it really cements the like, Oh, this is the end of Murphy. And here he's never killed. He still has his heart, his brain, his face, his lungs. Like, this is a surgery. One hand. He's got that one hand. Right. For jacking it. Well, it's gone, but he could he could jack something. Yeah, he could jack something. Oh, it God. Being he his could, penis. It appears to be gone. He could jack anything, man. It's the Do power of Robocop. <laughs> I'm a mess. They'll jack you, Lewis. They jack everything. <laughs> Do you yeah. think in the original draft it was lungs, hand, head, and penis? And her only erect penis, yeah. Yeah. Always erect. That's RoboCop way. That's a result of the the criminal violence. But what I thought, so at first I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm thrown out. And that's what a remake can do so well is it can change one thing that you think you know. And then it's later you see him dehumanized through software, through hardware. And you're like, oh, shit, this is actually really interesting where he never changed. And then you see him fucking his dopamine stolen from him, his programming overridden. And it's like, oh, wow, this is actually a really cool take. And this is what a remake can do so well. Yeah, I think drilling down on like, what does it mean to strip away almost to a number someone's ability to feel feelings, make decisions, react to things of their own accord. I think, again, that's why this is so ultimately such a disappointing movie, because I think they they raise questions that are huge questions from RoboCop and giving it a little space to run around. I, I really enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. And I think this is the problem when you choose to make a movie about cops is you it's hard to be complicated and that's why the third one 
is fun because it's also not complicated, but at least you know, like, oh, the cops are good because they choose to not be cops anymore. They choose to be servants to their town and their community. And here you still have to ride that line between, oh, yeah, there's bad cops, there's crooked cops, they can be bought out. Oh, the fucking government's trying to figure out whether we want machines on the street or like they never have a moment to be like, wait, what do we, they just have to be like, yes, we need cops. That's never a part of the right. story. Th- that's always implicit to the storytelling in this. And it's, yeah. again, they spend so much time interrogating everything else. I know. That blind, that blind spot is so overwhelming, especially from this moment in history where we're like, you know, I pray everyone in this shitty country has an opportunity to like really think about the messages that were being told by Hollywood about these things. Because, again, everyone's like, oh, the Hollywood liberals driving their big Cadillac cars around Silver Lake. Smoking weed and being Susan Sarandon or something. Yeah, and by both the way, of those things. Susan, you can come on the podcast anytime. Well, except for this this time. She missed right. this time. It's a little late for you to talk about the 2014 RoboCop remake. So, Susan, I'm sorry. We will I'm give sorry. you a slate of options. I don't know. Can oh, you, God. What, what's coming up? What's something Susan can jump on? Do you want me to say what's coming up next? Oh, yeah, we're doing 80s, 90s Batman next. Yeah, we decided, huh, Michael Keaton, huh, chins. Only makes mm. sense. Mm. So we're moving from one chin franchise to the next. Uh, so hopefully, I've never seen any of them. I'm very excited. Yeah, we're going to do the, the Burton Batman into the Schumacher Batman just to see one of the strangest transitions uh, of overwrought tone to completely psychotic tone. I'm excited about it. But Susan, if you want to come on and talk about Clooney, Kilmer, Jason Keaton. whatever who played Keaton, heck. Any of them. Susan, Susan, get in touch. All of them. We'll we'll let you be the co-host. Honestly, we were talking at the hold top on, of the hold show. On. Okay, co-host is a bit much. We could Susan, you can come on for at least a couple. Well, we have to I'm not giving her the keys, okay? I mean, I got to go back to work, man. I might not have time. You know, I got to talk about this for a minute. I went into a, a a store today. I was the only customer in the store. It was very surreal and wow. and yet comforting. But like, and a friend of mine works at the store, and they were like, "Oh, I just got back to work. It's weird." And I was like, "You just got back to work? You know, it's just like I just people are so. It's like I've been working harder than I've ever worked in my entire life for the duration of the pandemic." And, like, it's so funny to see people who are like, yeah, it's kind of weird now being back at work. It's it's a little – it's, like, a little weird. It's, like, I'm having a normal one. It's just, like, fucking, like, I don't know. It's just the privileged people. I understand that, like, this – this is a complicated issue. I'm happy people are safe and stayed at home. But, like, man, if you were out there in the middle of this for, like, months – it is just very funny to run into people who are like, yeah, it's kind of awkward now. Yeah, hey, I mean, I got used to a lifestyle very quickly, you know? Wake uh, up, jacket, wake, back to sleep. Yep, watch a movie, back to sleep. Take the dog jacket. for a walk. Jacket Jack. in your sleep. Yep, a lot, a lot of movies jacking and sleep. Yeah. And now I got to go to work and I got to time my jacket and sleep. It's It's been very hard. No, I, uh, Charles is holding up a calendar where the, you can see – uh, in 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 all caps and sharpie, there's large sections that are blacked out with just the words "Jack." Yeah, yeah, that's my weekends now. I have, I, yeah. I I tried to do it at work, did not work. So now I just have like the same number of jacks per week that I was doing, but now I just do it in two days. You're talking about the JPW index? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And hey, listeners, email us. What's your JPW rating? Right. Where this the phone lines are open. Oh, we should do our we should do our fan mail uh, this episode. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. Just send us. Just don't just hashtag JPW and then your number. Mine's eight hundred. Whatever your yeah. JPW is. Uh, just send it to us somehow. <laughs> Only on our show is getting one email considered something that we need to like draw attention to. It's weird. We have, uh, I think, a, a, a mild number of listeners that just like being separate from us. You know what? And you know what? That's your fucking right. You don't have to email us. You don't have to respond to anything we do on social media. We appreciate the likes. We appreciate everything you do. Um, well, it's but, like when, when my beloved girlfriend hears me talk about uh, my successes in the Grateful Dead fantasy draft that I put together with my friends to score points during live streamed YouTube concerts uh, during the quarantine and pandemic. Um, for example, this week I, I set a record. I scored 19 points and now tied for first with 71 points after like that's two incredible. Of, thank you. And Allison, because she loves me, goes, that's nice. And it's true. It's nice. She, and that's all I'm asking for that and for i like that our listeners have the same relationship to our podcast where they're like it's nice you've got a podcast you did it guys congratulations they listen to us they're like yeah mild is exactly how i would describe my commitment to this podcast it's all we could ask for it's a podcast in between episodes of reply all it's nice to mix it up with two other white guys talking about stuff yeah it's great um it's good stuff yeah fuck the police wow yeah i know i brought it there you really went there. It's brave what we're doing at this point in time. You know, yeah. it's funny because, like, people talk about ways to stay involved in this. And, you know, I, uh, bail relief funds are an ongoing issue. It's fun to track where the largest protests are and rush to the bail funds to, to stay involved. But I'm in a small part of the world. You know, a lot of this does feel like it's echoing off in, 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 in other magical places like the big city. You know, it's, it's a funny time to be in America, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and I honestly think it's, it is very weird to do the bullshit that we're doing because it's so, it's so stupid and so unimportant. And it has been, I honestly, I think the timing of this while initially felt very strange, I think it actually turned out to be very good where we could spend four weeks and at least like have an excuse to put links for things you could donate to or something that's sort of related to it. Otherwise we'd be talking about like Shrek? Can you imagine if we had Shrek right now? Like, who fucking gives a shit? I think that Shrek would resonate less right now. Well, I think we would still be putting up links and such, Shrek or not. But yes, certainly looking at the way that policing is dealt with in these movies, running the gamut so incredibly wildly from, like, the weird neoliberal look at it in this movie to the fascism of two to the weirdly optimistic fairy tale of three to the problematic but couldn't love it more of one. It's, uh, it is quite the journey, the Roboverse, I have to say. It is. I I have honestly had as much fun as I could right now between um, just all the bullshit happening right now and like spending a huge majority of my time desperately trying to get my dad to at least consider the fact that we live in a racist country. I it's I thought it was going okay, and it just seems like it might not have been. And today, I just finally texted him and was like. You know what, Dad? I can't do this anymore. If you're not open to this shit, just fucking... I hope you keep doing research, but I am not the person to bring you on this journey. Thank you. Yeah, I wish you'd been there, man. That could have helped. You think so? I think that little ticket, ticket, ticket could have brought him right over to the edge to actually just, like, maybe read one Wikipedia article. Yeah, I mean, I pray that this is a moment of reckoning where people can't turn away from this. 
That's the crazy and, shit is that fucking Wikipedia, which is like, it's not partisan. It's it's like if you put in anything that isn't just objective truths, it gets edited out. And like there's thousands of Wikipedia articles that you could read that just outline how racist this country is. Well, I mean, I think so much of it is about living in this bizarre, like hallucinated America where, yeah, all this shit is sitting directly in front of us. It has never been more accessible it has never been harder to argue with basic fundamental research and, you know, yet still people find ways to turn away. I mean, certainly this conversation around statues, like if you start listing the shit, you know, uh, King Leopold, the Belgian Congo, uh, Winston Churchill, any Confederate, like these dudes were fucking the worst humans who ever lived, like genuinely dog shit people who – we should be deeply embarrassed ever existed as humans. And this idea that like history and culture is a closed book where the victors wrote at one time and that's, that's all she did. And again, I'm, I'm cribbing like a thousand jokes right now, but the, the Confederates lost cause they were fucking shitty assholes who suck. Yeah. And so I, I guess I have one piece of advice because one thing that I thought was more of just like an excuse, but it seems to be a big issue is, the way you talk to people that aren't ready to confront America's shitty past, it's very important. Because, like, one of the big hangups that I learned today with my dad was, like, he's like, why are you blaming white people? And it's just like, it's like, it's amazing to even hear that as a response to all this. Because, first of all, what's incredible is this movement isn't about blame. It's not about revenge. It's not about taking over anything. It's about like understanding it's about getting things it's about changing things so that they are fair that people have things that they need that they're treated equally it isn't about saying you did this to me it's about this country is fucked because of how it started and we all just want to get to a place where it's not quite so fucked up anymore and the fact that so many old white people are so like afraid to take ownership and blame of this is crazy so just if you just remind them that it's not about blame. You don't have to feel bad about what you did. It doesn't. It's not a fucking about you. So just right. help. Well, that's just the whole help. thing. Because people treat the word racist like it's a pejorative when it's, it's literal. not. Yes, it's just that's the thing. It's a and reminder. Like, right. I think people have this idea that if they're not actively wearing a clan fucking hood, they're somehow completely unconnected to everything else in the entire fucking country. And it's like, yes, by quietly doing nothing. That is a huge part of the problem. It's not yes. complicated. No, you could you disband know? the KKK. You could get rid of every racist person in this country. It would change nothing. Right, because as long as people like quietly accept their due in this shitty country and never for a second think about the fact that their neighbor is getting treated like an nth class citizen next to them just because of their fucking ba- I mean it's insane so yeah I, I hear you this this whole culture of like well I didn't scream the n-word on main street well <laughs> yeah. no shit idiot but if someone did you'd probably fucking just be like oh boy and keep oh, walking oh boy you don't give a fuck yeah. my dander's you up know? I gotta get out like, of here the, the, yeah that shit sucks that is that is in many ways very much the same thing because if something happens and you don't react to it and you don't question it and you don't respond to it you are allowing it to persist unchallenged. And again, I don't understand, like, I'm Jewish. It's a culture of uh, annoying underdogs and gadflies bemoaning the problems of the status quo in the margins. 
that's the whole thing with Jesus, right? That's the whole fucking thing. Right. That he is... was a, a, a person of color who lived in a society Wait, where he what? was like... <laughs> Sorry. Jesus, a 40-year-old man from Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank um, you. Yeah. I got Yeah. This, this, this guy who was born in the Sinai or whatever or yeah. Bethlehem. I don't know. I'm not Christian. You figure Doesn't it out. Doesn't matter. He, he said, this shit sucks. We got to do something about it. And then a bunch of militarized cops nailed him to a thing yeah. in public. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like, you're clinging to Christianity. How is this shit lost on you? I don't even understand. It's, it's so psycho to me. Like the fact that it like, should be obviously, and then oh god, look, we this is a this black is... hole. We could, <laughs> yeah, we could I... just it, it like this. This country is so viciously racist and awful. Our history, as uh, if you're white, bummer, bro. That shit, you have some shit to do, and it's not a big deal. You'll be a better person for it to say, yeah. oh, huh. I guess I should think about this shit one time, right? Because and that's like, literally all that people are asking people to do is not even do anything if you don't just think about it that's all i'm telling my dad to do is just think about it. you don't have to donate you don't have to rally you don't have to protest right right the, the bar is set so low right now for you to simply consider the fact that you are treated differently from other people because of your skin and i and like if in 2020 you you can attempt to dispute that you've you've impressed me and i am impressed by you and not in a good way dad you impressed josh yeah, it's nuts. I, I've I've heard I don't know I, I've heard I, I'm not going to blow up anyone's complicated living situations, but someone I care for deeply is living in a household where someone talks about, you know, they're targeting white people, right? And it's like, well, when the power structure is almost entirely white, it sure looks like that if you're incredibly stupid and don't think about what that means for a minute, you know. Like yeah. if the facade of power appears white, maybe isn't that a fucking observation you just made by yourself? It's nuts. It's nuts. Anyways, oh. RoboCop 2014. It's a weird movie. <laughs> uh, let's I don't talk, know. It's, it's, I it's a weird briefly movie. About, I want to talk about his son, okay? Because I feel like David? that's... Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I think David. it's David. Um, that character has been so strangely used in all of the movies. And I think that is a great recurring theme. I'm so glad they brought it up. Because in the first one... He's basically nothing. It's a reminder of what he might have had and basically just also a reminder of the ghost town that is his life. In the second one, maybe he becomes a drug dealer. That's That was my interpretation. That's, that's just you, man. You're an idiot. No one else thought that. <laughs> uh, maybe he's a drug dealer. Maybe it's just also a reminder. Um, in the third one, there's a little flashback when the cool hacker girl reminds him of his, of his son. And here we actually get to see him interact with his son, both as a father and as a robo father. Well, and and also, you know, so you have Abby Cornish as as his his wife in this movie, who in the, the other movies is, you know, she's kept pretty far at arm's length in the in those movies, which I think is a, a choice, obviously. But in this, Clara Murphy is a huge part of the plot, and I thought that showing like their lives descend into like a fucking hell while their former husband slash father becomes like an increasingly emotionally removed murder robot. Like I, 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 that was actually great. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, me too. And I, I, th- I think for the tone of the first one, I'm so glad they never really went to that world. But for this one where it's all about, he is a, so he is a good cop. And even though I don't believe in good cops, I'm just going to have to say that because that's what the movie is positing. He's a good cop. And then, through inter- through interaction with Omnicorp, he becomes a bad cop. 
and how that changes his relationship with his with his kid and with his wife. And they're just like, where's my man? What have you done with my man? What have you done with my husband, my father? And it's just through brainwashing, militarization, dehumanization, throwing away all of his emotions. They're like, oh, this is what we are doing to soldiers. This is what we're doing to the police. And unfortunately, as we've said earlier, the response to the, that question isn't, oh, let's get rid of them. It's like, oh, just make sure they have emotions and they'll be good people again. But if you just sort of get rid of the bad thing about that, it is really cool to be like, wow, look at how this is affecting his world. And we can sort of see it play out in real time. Yeah, I think that was an inspired decision. And again, worthy of an examination in a remake. I, I want to just qu- pull the camera back for a minute here. This movie could have been so many different things. Uh, the original version was supposed to be directed by Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, I read that. Which is very strange. Um, I can't even imagine what that would be about. Uh, it, would, it would probably be fucking awful, um, honestly. It's funny we brought up pie earlier because yeah. full circle, baby. That's called podcasting. Uh, can you play a clip of uh, uh, Anakin saying that's what I call pod racing? Sure. Okay, thank you. Um, people involved in this movie, Michael Fassbender. Russell Crowe, Hugh Laurie, oh. Clive Owen, Whoa. Ed Norton, Sean Penn, Gail Garcia Bernal, Rebecca Hall. Wow. <laughs> like, kind of everyone. Wait, did like, you say they really? Gail... He was going to be RoboCop? <laughs> no, no. He was going to be uh, uh, Jack Lewis. The okay. Thank God they replaced the character Lewis with a man in this movie. Oh, my God. Because one of the biggest problems with the first few movies is that you're just like, well, why isn't it a man? Right. I was wondering this. We never really brought it up. And they resolved been... that in this with Michael K. Hall, who actually I think is uh, <laughs> great. <it's> great. <laughs> the most shot sidekick. <laughs> yeah. He I think lives a, a, a fraught life. <laughs> 80% of his scenes were either getting shot, being in the hospital, or getting shot again. And also, he's just, you put him in anything. That guy fucking, that guy rules. He was great. This cast, honestly, uh, the first cast is, I think, better just in terms of it's i'm gonna not even can compare them because that's the beauty of the remake both casts are perfect this was a brilliant cast all the way through from samuel jackson i love that the start of this movie is on the other side of the fucking screen and i think that slight change is also a cool thing about this movie as a remake all three other movies have been we are watching a tv watching a fake news report or a news report there but it's like it makes us realize what the movie is saying this movie's like no, we are in the studio. And I think that's a really small change, but it really like had a grounding moment for me, and I really liked that. Yeah, and I think beginning and ending the movie with like Samuel L. Jackson in full mouth-frothing Fox News mode fucking owns. The end of the movie is so fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, again, ultimately, I'm not even sure. I would probably give this maybe two and a half stars at the end of the day. It's just it doesn't – I don't think it leaves much of an impact, unfortunately. Like, the most interesting ideas are the emotional ideas – the lack of broader satire is a huge, I think, problem, except for fucking Samuel L. Jackson and ending the movie with him giving this like straight to barrel because America is the greatest country in the world. Like, yeah, f- following a like attack where he's like, I don't know why this motherfucker isn't in jail. And like that whole thing is like Sam, he, Samuel Jackson was just like he played it perfectly. Great way to end this movie. Great way to start this movie. I think it was probably the most effective use of the the like news reporting since the first one. Actually the third one did it really good too. I think other than the second one, which is just a piece of shit, like they really figured out how to make the news 
sort of bend and flow with the theme and like the tone of the films. Well, I mean, also like this movie is about like the production of culture through like mass corporate means and keeping that idea of like showing how I don't think there's enough movies. There's so many bad movies about like Fox News that are like, you know, fucking Adam McKay making like John Lithgow in a fat suit plays gross Roger Ailes, who's a gross perv. Yuck. And like, you know, that shit kind of sucks because like. You know, this movie gets closest to really digging into, like, how violent and scary and intense is it to have a media that's just, like, has such a stated agenda and is so aggressive. And, you know, I don't know. I think, again, that's the the only bit of satire they really attempt is that in this. And I I don't know. I I think uh, that, again, was weirdly successful. I think it's cool. Again, in a remake, I don't want it to change in the first one, but it's like nice to have another take where I don't have to have a bunch of adverts, like fake ads. And that worked for the first one. But here, just having this one element of it was really good. And I think it also calls to right now where, yes, this was probably like a take on Fox News, but like the media sucks. The media tells us like, this is why I was, I got into another argument with another friend of mine about like, stop posting shit on Facebook about protester violence because the more that like, have you noticed that since the protests protests have all gotten now a hundred percent peaceful news isn't doing shit. The news only spreads shit that they think people will tune in for. And this was a really like, this is just showing that yes, the news tells you what to think. Well, okay, I want to just not... speak up for a minute here. When we say the news, we largely mean large corporate cable sorry. television news. Yes, I'm sorry. I think often this media narrative uh, completely obfuscates really amazing reporting that's being done on a regular basis, on, on frequently on a local level. But yes, large corporate entities who like to shape simple narratives that underscore simple ideas to the largest body yes that yeah shit yeah sucks. the people that every like millions of people watch and the big channels yes mostly television i would sorry i i, I fucking demeaned your national service to this country i'm sorry i'm sorry well okay that's a bit much i'm, I'm sorry I'm, I'm, I'm sorry you're word I'm doing my I'm sorry. best to serve my community through the lens of the media and I, i'm not saying i am the end all and be all of that endeavor but the, i think I, I see a lot of great work being done on that level and befitting this country we live in uh non-corporate news just gets completely ignored or it doesn't have a platform so um i hear you but yes i mean i think uh interrogating how like large corporate entities with stated political agendas shape our reality is always worthy of a movie or two yeah Um, and so this is it this is the end of the this is the end of robocop we did it we did it so we're not we're not doing the animated movies the series sorry guys we're not doing it no um we might read that email but first i we got some questions to ask um, yeah. First off, MVP, MVP, MVP. So we're gonna do uh, this movie's MVP followed by the whole series MVP. Okay, which is tricky. It is tough. Um, I, I got my, I got my pick for this movie's MVP, and I've got mine. Great. Go ahead, hit me with I'm gonna, it. I'm gonna give this one to. This is a great cast. From everyone in it to whoever that goofy dude in marketing, I forget what he's the in. The great Jay Baruchel. I love who that guy. fantastic in this movie. <laughs> um, everyone is great. RoboCop, again, becomes like the least... I just put the mask on, man. I, I don't think I ever want to see RoboCop. That was one of the things. He just was too much... I don't know. Anyway, 
I'm well, we give didn't it. mention we didn't mention Joel Kinnaman at all, which is hysterical. In, who is in the movie that? Where he plays that's the actor who plays Robocop. Yeah, exactly. Simpleton. Yeah, he was honestly. I, I was, it's it's thankless, and I guess he's fine. <laughs> I I don't I I like how like I like how when he first talks to his family, and we just see his like clammy like gray skin in the Robo suit, and he just like his shit looks so fucked up. And yeah, I kind of love that. Like they really play into the body horror, which I liked a lot. Yeah, um, but I'm gonna go with the fucking Michael Keaton. I thought he really excelled in this role. He he was like lovable when he needed to. He was sinister when he needed to. But ultimately, he he was like the old man from the first one, except if he actually was a character instead of just being billed as the old man to sit in boardrooms. Like he nailed it, and especially for a movie that sort of like moved away from anti-cop and not even really talking about cops to like really being an indictment on corporations. He was a perfect person for this movie. MVP to whatever his character name was. I'm going to go ahead and give it to the absolutely delightful Jackie Earl Haley as Rick Maddox, who plays a tech expert. Is like, listen, dick fuck. This (laughs) fucking sucks. I hate this fucking RoboCop guy. Fuck this dude. He's a piece of shit. He ruled. He didn't talk about it. RoboCop fucking sucks. I fucking hate this guy, RoboCop. (laughs) He is the man who sucks. He gets tased really good in one scene. That was good. Uh, that And that's a great line from uh, Gary Oldman. I think we're all interested in seeing that when uh, he tases him. Yeah. Oh, I was talking about the, the in the first one. He's like, shoots all the robots. And they're like, how is he doing that? Oh, oh, I see. And then yes. they're like, should I tase this guy? And they're like, I th- and then Oldman goes, I think we're all interested in seeing that. And that, Yeah, that, that was brilliant. Oldman ruled too. He's my maybe runner up. I don't know. I, I'm not a huge Oldman fan, but I think like post Tinker, I've sort of gotten more on board with the old man. Yeah. All right. Okay. So series MVP is that is that uh, series MVP for the whole series? Yeah. Uh, honestly, I did no thought about this, and it, this is just like going to swell up in me like a wave. Okay, I've got and, m- mine. Similarly, just came to me right now, and I'm giving it to Kane. Wow. I know it's a bad damn pick because from the worst movie that's like really should never have been made, but maybe that's why I chose him. He just was like a life force that carried me through that whole movie, and I think. Ultimately, one, two, three, very, as plots, boring. And I've been asking since one, give me Tales from the Roboverse. And I think Kane is like the closest I ever got from a Tales from the Roboverse. So, Kane, I'll do nuke with you any fucking time. We can, we can hang. I'll become a fucking robot monster with you, and we'll just roam around the streets of old Detroit. I love you. R.I.P. That's really beautiful. Uh, mine's got to go to Lewis at the end of the day. She yeah. is the, st- the steadfast best friend. She rules. She blows bubbles. She says awesome shit. I just – I don't know. I think that she's such a – through the original trilogy, such a rock for the entire thing that to, to not acknowledge her at the end would feel like a real fuck you to Lewis. And I am not that kind God, of guy. I'm so and sorry. And also I'm, I'm happy to grandfather in uh, Michael K. Williams as <laughs> Lewis too. Hey, why not? He's great. Who at one point makes uh, the amusing joke that at least Robocop is black now when he comes I back know. from being retooled, which is uh, an example of the strained, strained humor of Robocop yeah. that we make. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> this is a weird series of movies. They're really strange. I can't get over that. Um, so that, that we'll ask for the final time before moving into our special fan mail segment. At this point, and I forgot to mention, this movie was written by the original Robocop team, right. which is an important thing. We forgot Listen, to mention until now, oh. and then we just did it. Job well done. Sorry, can we just do a quick ranking before we ask the question? Very quick. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious, but... 1-3 Reboot 2? 
Yeah, that's me too. I think you gave like your letterbox score. I, it's hard right now, especially to score movies that are like have cops that aren't anti-cop higher than a two. Um, even though it is a very well-made movie and it does actually tackle some important issues. I just think teaching people that cops are okay is not good. So yeah, I would say one, three, remake two as my ranking as well. Great. We agree. Yay. We done did it. Uh, which leads us to this. Uh, we'll close off this series before uh, war- prepping you for the Bitman movies. Mm. This is a letter from our listener. Oh, wait. We never asked the question. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, at this point, forgive me. My God. Uh, That's all right. You, no, it was my mistake. You're award-winning. Don't worry about it. This was obviously my error. You asked it. I went right. backwards. The, the takeaway from 2020 is that I shouldn't at all question my role in any of the proceedings. I should just embrace that it's not my problem and move yeah, forward yeah, no. as though nothing has happened. Um, let's say they make the long-awaited – well, no, that that's too leading. I guess in a perfect world, the next thing would be they make – the, you know, Robo in the Future, Robo in Space movie that they alluded to all those years ago in the 80s. But you know, this movie did well. It made $240 million above a like a 110 budget or something. Yeah. Like it, this mm-hmm. was a successful film. There's nothing about it that would indicate uh, that they wouldn't make another one. Are you asking when will it end, Charles? Uh, this might be a shock because I'm always the one asking. But no, I'm not. I actually see this as, especially right now, if someone takes over this series that has learned anything from the last 20 years of American history or the last 200 years of American history or the last 400 years of American history, if there is even that many years of American history, the next one could be fucking amazing. I'm, I'm not asking. I actually am. I would be very excited and would go out in a heartbeat to see the next RoboCop movie. Well, fortunately they're going to make it. RoboCop returns directed by Abe Forsyth. Forsyth is going to direct um neil blomkamp thank god oh right down. thank you yeah he had Oof. one great I, re, I maybe i just gotta rewatch it but i, I haven't still... seen district nine in so long yeah but elysium sucked chappy was so fucking weird and bad not weird in a good way um yeah i i am so glad that he's not he was supposed to be in like an alien movie he's supposed to do this like just leave him to his original content bullshit so that no one has to go and see it so I'm going to join you. I'm actually uh, on the same page here. This is a topic that deserves filmmaking. Like, let's explore cops. Let's explore policing. What happens to a person to make them a cop? We all want you know? to know the answer. <laughs> like, if this is done well and there's no reason to believe based on the series that that would be done well, um, it would be interesting. And if not, uh, we'll get more uh, flaccid copaganda. That will be very frustrating. But, uh, yeah, I, at this point – I'm going to kind of miss the Roboverse because at the very least it it brings that like – at least the reboot brought that fire to like – you know, the, the, the like OCP talks about testing out Robocop on prisoners and shit in the beginning. Like yeah. they're really fucking evil and I guess we can never underscore enough in the society that corporations are massively fucking awful in the way that they mm-hmm. behave. If we can only turn that lens onto policing itself, then these, then uh, we would have a really great movie in our hands. So why close our hearts to that possibility? I'm ready. Okay. Now, um, because I'd like to at some point end recording, yes, uh, here's a letter sent to us. And this is – well, we've gotten to it in a timely manner, only over two months <laughs> since it was sent. <laughs> this is from listener <laughs> writes, Dearest Do you want me to bleep June- that out? Uh, yeah, bleep it out. Okay. Dearest Jew and Goy, don't bleep that out. That's accurate. Oh, absolutely not. I hope this letter finds at least one of you in good health. 
uh, let's do a health check here. I'm dealing with a lot of allergies right now. I'm officially COVID-free, though. I took I got COVID tested. I don't have COVID. Great. I have not been tested, but I might. I might. Imagine RoboCop wearing a face mask. That's what the, that's what liberals. Oh want. shit! That's what they the want to cage his lower mouth, which is the whole appeal of the structure. That it, oh, speaking of uh, that, I'm actually I like the way they sort of didn't have ordinances in this new one too. So we don't have to talk about RoboCop anymore. But I did. I like the red the red target where it's just like I a, agree. Yeah, it was it was well done. Like you didn't have to like have exp- explanation for what he needed to do. They just had a very quick like, oh, this is a safe person. You can't kill safe people. Yeah, and he I like does that it, it, it anyway. It wasn't. It wasn't afraid to be very aggressive with the structure. I liked that a lot. Okay, here we go. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for delivering the content we read. Me need in this time of crisis. Every Monday, I have delightful chuckles to look forward to. That's very sweet. This most re- <laughs> this most recent episode on Fate of the Furious, or as I call it, Fast Eight. Uh, that shit is wrong, writer. So fuck you. It's one of the best yet. That's true. It was a very good episode. Top three for me. <laughs> I'm truly wow. sad to say goodbye to Dom and the fam. Well, wait till you say goodbye to Robo and the Murphy family. I know. Throughout the past eight weeks, they've sunk a harpoon gun deep into my soul, and they've stolen my heart in a poorly planned, overly complicated. Oh, interesting. So the writer misspelled "planned." It's planned. Hey, don't a poorly planned. Don't worry. Overly about it. complicated and comp- I'm. I'm just saying it doesn't. That you was, have to uh, point out the problems of. They made a this. mistake. It's okay. The whole podcast is us pointing out problems. Why should I stop now? All right. That's a good point. They've stolen my heart in a poorly planned, overly complicated, and completely necessary truck heist. Uh, but as platonically ideal tears drip from my glimmering Riverstone body, this is good, I clutch my crucifix chain, glance up to the sky, and whisper, salute me, familia. For I know wow. this is not the end, but merely a new beginning. Wow. There's two more paragraphs. Wow. <laughs> Ugh, that took a brief, lifetime. Do you, brief interruption. Do you want to do the next one? Uh, I don't have it up in front of me. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ. Dude, you didn't you kn- tell me you were going to do this. We talked about this yesterday. We did not. Fuck you. We did. Okay. I write you not only to commend you on your valiant efforts in this difficult time, thank you, but also to bequeath a humble request. Oh, boy. Here it comes. I'm sure you have plenty of planned series to explore in the coming weeks and months. We do. But I would like to submit a couple suggestions of my own. These series are 90s classics for 90s kids, and as such, I'm sure you will remember, they are also famous for their theme park ride experiences. I am a 90s kid. I do remember these movies, I want to say. I was an, I was an 80s kid, but thus no, that no, makes me a 90s. No, no, you're a 90s kid yeah. because you were I born in the 80s, so you were, uh, yeah. Yeah, and you were born Nerf at the guns. very so, beginning, so you're Bill still awesome. Yeah, loved them all. Uh, first, Honey, I Shrunk the, Crid- the Kids franchise. This franchise contains three feature films, a TV show, and a series of Disney theme park attractions, including a 4D movie ride subtly titled Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. The writer having a bit of fun there, a little uh, little editorializing. Um, second, the Back to the Future franchise that we all know and love, also encompassing a trilogy of three feature films, an animated TV series, and of course, Back to the Future, the ride at Universal Studios. That's the famous one that injures everybody, I think. I think that's the one that like fucks Great. everybody's spine up. Let's do that one. Although both Back to also, the Future... Also, I just want to note that Josh just said encompassing. So anyway, continue. Encompassing? Yeah, go. Brilliant. Encompassing. Although both Back to the Future, The Ride, and Honey, I Shrunk the Audience 4D movie ride have been closed for over a decade now, I'm sure these tantalizing theme park experiences, which extend the franchise for eager fanboys, fangirls, and fan people, I don't care what bathroom you use, just wash your damn hands, will provide hours of in-depth discussion 
And yeah, all right. And maybe even a little something behind the paywall. Also, <laughs> what about RoboCop? Well, guess what? We kind of got to the bottom of RoboCop. <laughs> His name is Alex Murphy. He was a police officer. Uh, okay. Josh, Thanks you again, listen to guys. the episodes. It's fine. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to many more years of asking when will it end. Your loyal fuck dog. And bleep that out, too. You got it. Well, we did it. We're two very good podcast hosts, and it's a very good podcast that we do. Uh, we watch the movies. We watch uh, the movies. Are you excited about the watching a, a very tight sliver of the truly overwhelming Batman movie verse? Well, I'm excited because this is going to kick off the Batverse. As you really pointed out to me today, you didn't want to scare people into thinking that we were ignoring the rest of the Batverse. This is the Batverse part one. We will be getting to all of the Batverse. So don't worry. We're starting with Tim Burton into, what, Schumacher? I think so. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, I th- I'm not maybe doing it... any more research today. I don't know. Yeah, the, the, I think the third one was Schumacher and then someone else took over the fourth one. You know what? We're going to fucking find out. So We're going to get to the bottom of it. If you liked uh, chins only, well, then fucking wait another week, and that's all we're going to do. We're just going to do the chin movies. Yeah, get excited. More chins. Okay, I got to go to the bathroom and listen to reggae music in my car. So I'll say, listener, donate to bail funds, uh, read up a little bit on racism, uh, be a fucking adult, take responsibility for your fucking self, and uh, be kind to people. Charles, any thoughts? No, no, I like them all. Be, be, yeah, all those things. Donate, research, be an adult. Don't take this personally because it's not an individual. It's systemic. And be kind to people. There we go. All right. Au revoir. <laughs>